Today is September 17th, 2018. I'm Beto Coin, and you are listening to Liberty Caller. What? Can't I do that? Isn't that how this works? See, it seems to me that liberals can do this all the time. They decide all of a sudden that they're running for something or they want some attention, and they suddenly discover a name, an alternate name for themselves. In this case, of course, I'm specifically talking about U.S. Senate candidate for Texas, Beto O'Rourke, properly named Robert O'Rourke, but all of a sudden he decided he was running for something in the El Paso area and discovered that Beto is short for Roberto in Hispanic areas, and lo and behold, now he's Beto. He was Robert O'Rourke his entire life, and no one questioned it. But again, he's a Democrat and he decided he was running for something, so let's cater to Hispanics by changing your name to Beto. Now, of course, he's running for the U.S. Senate. This guy looks... he looks as white as I do, let's be honest here. But, again, he's the congressman for El Paso, so Beto O'Rourke it is. And he happens to be running against a Hispanic gentleman by the name of Ted Cruz. Maybe you've heard of him, he ran for president. So, all the more reason to double down on rediscovering your ethnic identity. Now, Robert O'Rourke, in fairness, is part Hispanic, that is, on his side, just like Barry Sotero is, in fact, a a black man, but he didn't seem to discover that until he decided to start getting involved in democratic politics. Then he became Barack Hussein Obama, because that is much more ethnic than Barry Sotero. But, nevertheless, I'm a conservative, so I can't get away with that. So, I'm Michael Coyne, and you're listening to Liberty Caller. The reason I'm talking about the U.S. Senate election from Texas is because Ted Cruz is in a little bit of trouble. A couple of years ago, this guy was running for president. He remains a fan favorite among conservatives. But he's within a point in some polls, a point of Robert O'Rourke, his challenger on the Democratic side. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, this is Texas. This O'Rourke character must be fairly moderate. He's probably a pro-gun Democrat. He's probably a pro-life Democrat. He's really not. There is nothing moderate about Mr. O'Rourke. O'Rourke is cut from very much the Elizabeth Warren wing of the Democratic Party. Here's the problem. Mr. O'Rourke is likable. Very likable. He passes the beer test. He's airing ads down here in Texas that honestly are cut very much from the Scott Brown 2010 playbook. In fact, he's got one ad on there that is basically a frame-for-frame reshoot of the Scott Brown ad. It's a famous one. If you follow politics, you probably have seen it um, online in the news, things like that. You probably remember this. I know it was almost a decade ago, so stick with me on this. It's basically cell phone footage, individually shot photos, individually shot video, you know, of Scott Brown going around, meeting people. He's got this voiceover. There's a little bit of music in the background, very soft, very, you know, it doesn't look like it cost a lot to produce, and it didn't cost a lot to produce, because as you probably recall, Scott Brown initially was running on a shoestring budget. No one expected him to do anything with that, except for the fact that we wanted to defeat Obamacare, even Massachusetts wanted to defeat Obamacare, 
They elected Scott Brown, and Obamacare became law anyway. Well, O'Rourke is trying for the same type of insurgency, so of course he basically reshot Scott Brown's ad using himself. It features a lot of the same elements, a lot of the same hallmarks. We're looking at cell phone footage, cell phone video, you know, doesn't look professionally shot video. Might have been, probably was. This is, after all, a campaign that is receiving, it's got to be millions of dollars from outside the state. And it closes with him, you know, leaning out the window of his car. Hey, I'm Beto O'Rourke, and I approve this message. Like, yeah, okay, you're, you're really an everyman here. But he's playing the part very well. And where Beto O'Rourke passes, said Ted Cruz, is in enthusiasm. Ted Cruz doesn't really have a problem with Texas being a red state. It's a red state! <laughs> if you held a gun to my head and said, put money on this election right now, I would still bet on Ted Cruz, but I would definitely make it a much smaller wager than I would have several months ago. Ted Cruz, it's not that he's not likable, but he comes off as a college professor, and probably a college professor you didn't especially care for all that much. You know, he, he's a little bit smug. He's a little bit smarmy. Now, I like Ted Cruz. I really like Ted Cruz. I actually voted for Ted Cruz in the Republican primary. There's a little bit I don't usually share who I vote for um, on this podcast, but I did. I like Ted Cruz. But he's facing a tremendous enthusiasm gap here in Texas. Democrats are fired up. They were already fired up going in about Donald Trump. Nobody really is in love with Donald Trump, you know, Texas is kind of, eh, okay, we, we like him, he's a, he's a Republican, he, he's doing some pretty good things, but, eh, you know, he, he's still not exactly what we recognize as a Republican down here, that's kind of the, the, the temperature, the thermometer on Donald Trump down here, and the problem is Texas doesn't seem to be fired up about Ted Cruz either. Now compare the Senate race to to the Texas governor's race. Greg Abbott is expected to win this handily. He has double-digit leads over his Democratic challenger, and he is so comfortable that the Abbott campaign is actually sending out emails warning about the closeness of the U.S. Senate race. Now, that you can't mention Ted Cruz by name, because that might qualify as a campaign contribution, but they're talking about how close it is. And they're actually getting donations off of this, talking about how close the Senate race is. Why? Not because Greg Abbott is worried about Greg Abbott's seat, but because the Texas Republican Party is actually a little bit worried about the U.S. Senate seat. And again... It's not a money gap. It's not that Cruz is running from behind. It's an enthusiasm gap. It's an enthusiasm gap. Texas, like any other state, has independents who aren't that political. You know, moderates who don't really care that much, may or may not show up on election day. And 
they don't really know what O'Rourke stands for. He comes across very much as an everyman, until you actually listen to the substance of what he's saying, but we'll get to that later. And they don't hate the idea of Senator O'Rourke. It doesn't scare them yet. It should. But it doesn't. Because, again, he passes the beer test. He's likable. He's re reasonably good-looking. He appeals to Hispanics because he goes by Beto instead of Robert. And, again, he's just an everyman. That's kind of how he paints himself. Cruz does not paint himself as an everyman. He comes across sort of as a conservative version of an intellectual elitist. Senator Cruz is very smart. But, you know, how much did you really like that one professor in college who kind of was a little bit of a know-it-all, a little bit smug about it? Exactly. I shared on Liberty Caller's social media sort of a visual illustration that I witnessed just in my own life, kind of driving to my, to my day job, my 9 to 5. I saw on some business property the big yard signs, the, the big, like, you know, 4x4 four four yard signs or 4x8 or yard signs um, that they put on commercial property. Three local Republicans signs and then one for O'Rourke. Not Cruz, O'Rourke. Three Republicans and then O'Rourke. Number one, the owner of this property is clearly very confused, but two, it illustrates the problem. It illustrates the problem. It illustrates the enthusiasm gap that we've got here. You know, I shared it, you know, Senator Cruz, you've got an issue. Now look, yard signs don't vote. I know that. Every political operative, and I am a former political operative, worth his salt, knows that. You cannot measure the success of a campaign based on yard signs. What you can do, though, is measure enthusiasm. You can measure enthusiasm. How eager are people to advertise for your candidate? And... As it happens, right now, I see a lot more people who are eager, or at least willing, to advertise for O'Rourke than they are for Cruz. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. More people were willing to advertise for Hillary than for Trump, nationwide, and then Trump wins. And I think we may be seeing something similar here. O'Rourke is exciting. He's popular. He's new. Democrats think they finally have a shot at this. And, again, he's within striking distance in the polls. How reliable are the polls? Eh. There hasn't been a poll of likely voters in a few months. Uh, everything else coming out is of registered voters. But, again, he's within a point. He's within a point. And if Republicans lose a U.S. Senate seat in Texas, of all places. That's frightening, and that's a pretty clear indicator that Republicans are in trouble in the rest of the country. 
I mean, we're again, it's Texas. We could pretty much nominate anyone as a Republican. <laughs> anyone. Put an R next to their name, they're still probably going to win. Or at least perform pretty darn well in a statewide race. You know, n nominate Fido, nominate a dog, and they will still probably get more votes than the Democratic candidate. But Ted Cruz might not be able to do it. And I, I see the comments from Cruz supporters, well, if you want a yard sign, just buy one from the website. That's not the point! <laughs> That's not the point! I don't care. I'm not... I, it, me putting up my own yard sign is is not an issue here. The issue is the enthusiasm gap. Ted Cruz is losing it. Republicans are losing it right now. I'm not going to say, so Texas goes, so goes the nation, because that's obviously just not true, especially in a Senate race or a congressional race, but Ted Cruz should not be one gaffe away from losing it all. The Cruz campaign and the O'Rourke campaign just agreed to three debates. Three debates. Cruz misfires in one of those debates, and this race turns into a straight toss-up. And again, in case you forgot, this is Texas. We'll shift gears a little bit here, because obviously the big news of the day is the Brett Kavanaugh confirmations. Now, for those of you who've been living under a rock and haven't been following the news, Brett Kavanaugh is Donald Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court. He is in the final stages of the confirmation hearings when uh, Dianne Feinstein of California came forward. Oh, by the way, back in July, uh, some woman uh, came forward and said that Kavanaugh attempted to sexually assault her 35 years ago. But we're just bringing this up now. And she's just bringing this up now. She didn't bring it up 35 years ago. She's bringing it up now. Allegedly, she was 15. Kavanaugh was 17. He was drunk at a party. She was drunk at a party. She has no recollection of how she got to the party. But somehow, Kavanaugh and some uh, some friend who, whose name I don't believe has been released yet. Um, it may have been, but I, I haven't seen it. They, they attempted to, to hold her down and sexually assault her. And she claims she feared for her life. But again, didn't bring it up until now. Because, I don't know, because she is a law professor, or not a law professor, uh, she may be a law professor, actually, I don't know, I just know that she's a college professor in California. Seems awfully convenient, doesn't it? She has no recollection of anything at this party other than the fact that Brett Kavanaugh supposedly attempted to sexually assault her. And she didn't bring it up then, she didn't go to an adult then, she didn't tell anybody then, she didn't go to the police then, but now, 35 years later, supposedly, we're supposed to take this seriously. And, of course, this is something that Feinstein's office supposedly knew months ago, knew at least two months ago, and she didn't come forward until now. 
if you don't think this smacks of fishy political opportunism, you're not paying any attention. You're just not paying any attention. Because, I mean, this is the kind of thing that Democrats do. They attempted to do this uh, with Clarence Thomas. You know, I mean, they realized that there's nothing they could reasonably do to derail Brett Kavanaugh sitting on the Supreme Court, so now they've resorted to just finding someone to make stuff up. That's what we're looking at here. Make stuff up. Now, obviously, it's not chic, it's not in vogue, it's not popular to call these things what they are, to say they are fiction, to say they are made up, but it's what they are. They are made up. It is fiction. I know we're in the age of Me Too and all these other hashtags, the age where innocent until proven guilty is out the window, statutes of limitations mean nothing, and every man who is ever accused of sexual assault by any woman, regardless how unsubstantiated or unsubstantiatable the claim, is guilty. Every man is guilty. Why? Because we always believe the victim. Except for the fact that if we always believe the victim for sexual assault, rape, any other crime, our entire legal system would fall completely apart and most of the country would either be behind bars or just be executed. That's not how our system works. Unfortunately, it is how the court of public opinion works, so there is a very real chance this will derail Kavanaugh's nomination. I don't actually think it will wind up derailing Kavanaugh's nomination. I think that he's still going to wind up sitting on the Supreme Court because most people, I believe, can see this for what it is. A bizarre story coming forward 35 years ex post facto, well beyond any statute of limitations. Democrats are saying, have the FBI investigate. It doesn't work that way. The FBI doesn't investigate nonsense. They investigate crimes. This would have been a crime 35 years ago. And if she'd have come forward to law enforcement 35 years ago, there might be something to it. But now, I mean, there's nothing to investigate. This was supposedly a drunken high school party. Which, I mean, Kavanaugh denies the allegations completely, and why wouldn't he? Even, I mean, worst case scenario, even if he is guilty, let's just imagine that he is guilty. There's no way to prove it at this point. There's nothing you can do. There is no legal recourse at this stage. Short of Brett Kavanaugh having a, a change of heart and confessing, there's no way to prove it. And again, in this country, you are innocent until proven guilty. So what does the Democrats play here? Court of public opinion. Convict him in the court of public opinion, make it so unpalatable that Republicans will not vote for him, and they'll have to go for someone else. Here's the problem, Democrats. You didn't think this through. If Republicans can't have Brett Kavanaugh, guess who they're going to go for? Guess who Donald Trump, guess who President Trump is going to nominate? Amy Coney Barrett. You were terrified of her. You were so mortified that she would take the seat of a centrist jurist that, like everyone on the left, heaved a sigh of relief 
for Brett Kavanaugh until they realized they needed to get fired up again because he might not be pro-choice. An abortion case might go before the Supreme Court and he might outlaw it because, you know, that whole right to life thing, you know, let's not kill babies thing. Ridiculous as that sounds, some people still believe in the arcane idea that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is guaranteed to infants. That infanticide is a bad idea. Crazy thought, I know. But, so now Democrats are trying to get this done, but no, don't kid yourselves. If you successfully, Democrats, manage to get Kavanaugh gone, Amy Coney Barrett is the next in line. She's going to be nominated by President Trump. And she was just confirmed for her seat a matter of months ago, right? Yeah, a matter of months ago on the, on the Court of Appeals. So the vetting is basically done. It wouldn't even delay anything that much. It wouldn't even delay things to November. Then what's your play? Then what's your play, Democrats? But no. Unthinkingly, you bring up this, <laughs> at best, 35-year-old allegation. At worst, let's call it what it actually is, a flaming pile of horse manure. <laughs> and, and what are you going to do? I think this hurts Democrats. I really do think this hurts Democrats. This is what turns moderates against you when they see this is the playbook you're reading from. Fictional allegations to try to take down political opponents. Guess what? People don't like that. It smacks of opportunism. It leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. People don't go for this. In fact, I'd go so far as to say if Ted Cruz really wants to help his case in Texas, come out and start singing Brett Kavanaugh's praises. Really? Get more vocal on what this is. Uh, Senator Cruz is not on the Judiciary Committee. This is not yet his fight, technically. But you are a senator up for re-election who faces a monstrous enthusiasm gap. People are excited for your opponent. Your supporters are lukewarm about you. So is Senator Cruz's campaign's plan to ride Greg Abbott's coattails into the seat? If so, keep quiet. Do nothing. If not, maybe Brett Kavanaugh and the false allegations would be enough to actually get someone excited about you. Just a thought. Just an idea. Because, Senator Cruz, you need to speak up. You need to be somewhere. Brett Kavanaugh? He's in trouble. He could use someone fighting for him. Again, I don't think it goes anywhere. I don't think the Kavanaugh allegations go anywhere. I think Kavanaugh still winds up sitting on the Supreme Court. And this winds up being an annoying footnote in history. Which is the most it deserves to be, by the way. 
but maybe, just maybe, we could fix two problems at once.